You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Reports of cyber espionage against both India and Pakistan. Notes on Hansator malware. The WireX Android DDoS botnet is discovered and taken down by an industry consortium. A BGP fumble hit Japan's internet, not hackers. Hurricane Harvey and Game of Thrones fishbait are in circulation. And no, not that GPS. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, August 29, 2017. Symantec reports that sites in India and Pakistan have been the targets of a sustained cyber espionage campaign using Endor spyware. The spying goes at least as far back as October 2016 and seems to have focused on collecting information on regional security matters. Symantec says the campaign looks like the work of a single nation-state, but it doesn't specify which one. Other observers note that India has been experiencing a heightened state of tension with China, but that's merely an indicator and doesn't rise even to the level of circumstantial evidence. The spyware was installed via a phishing campaign. The fishbait used represented itself as links to stories on South Asian security matters, maliciously altered reports from Reuters, The Hindu, and Z News. The stories covered military affairs, issues surrounding Kashmir, and news of Indian secession movements. These topics would be of interest to targets in both India and Pakistan. Since both countries were targeted, it seems likely the threat actor represented some third nation. Some observers are reminded of the back doors installed in an earlier espionage campaign mounted against Qatar. Those back doors were known as Spynote and Revokery. They're different from Endor, but they worked in a similar fashion. The NHS Lanarkshire attack has been confirmed as ransomware. It's not WannaCry, but exactly which ransomware variant hit the NHS systems remains unclear. Healthcare services continue to experience interruptions in parts of Scotland, with patients asked to defer non-urgent care and some operations cancelled. Observers note that ransomware is playing an increasingly important role in attacks intended to disrupt as well as extort. For now, this incident seems motivated by extortion, but the story is still developing. Silance research on Hansator exposes how the malware's three-step exploitation of low-level Windows vulnerabilities enables it to accomplish its work. Hansator is being used by the Man1 threat group. It's distributed in maliciously crafted macros contained in Microsoft Word documents. 
Man 1, whoever they are, don't use commodity malware, and Hansator was put together with some care. Recently, there was a good bit of hubbub surrounding a Wisconsin tech company's decision to give employees the option of using an implantable RFID chip to allow building access and to purchase food at work. Some feared ubiquitous tracking, while others see an inevitable shift toward a more effortlessly connected future. Avi Reichenthal is CEO at Exponential Works, a venture investment, advisory, and product development company with a focus on connected devices, and he offers his perspective. The reality is we are going to uh, become more connected. We are already. I mean, we have the most uh, rudimentary human-to-machine interface today that puts our brain online. We call it a smartphone or a cell phone. Uh, rudimentary in the sense that we need to use fingers and eyes to, to put our brains online. One can see very rapidly the advent of more sophisticated human-to-machine interfaces that would put our brains online. The question is, how do you get the benefit of uh, mind extension, of awareness, of information, of uh, entertainment? without the unintended consequences of losing privacy, losing identity, losing safety, and basically being uh, violated as a human being in the sacred space that is you. And yet time and time again, we've seen, even with social media, that uh, people seem to be remarkably willing to trade privacy for convenience. Yes, and I think that this is uh, why, you know, we see this uh, explosion uh, of uh, investments into the convergence of exponential technologies. And that's how we see now that uh, the rate and pace of technological disruption and convergence uh, far exceeds the ability of society to comprehend and think through it and, and completely outstrips uh, the capacity of uh, our legislative and regulatory bodies, governing bodies, to not only comprehend, but to put the proper checks and balances in place. And so where do you see those different forces converging? Uh, I think first and foremost, uh, we really need to remember that companies that are introducing this incredibly powerful yet invasive technology have a responsibility to uh, make it as safe as possible and have a responsibility, Dave, to also uh, educate the users and the various legislative and regulatory bodies uh, about all of the amazing applications, but also about all, all the unintended consequences. I think that it's uh, particularly when the companies that are enabling the technology have the deep pockets to do it. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we need to think of how to disrupt government as we know it uh, in, in, in a good sense, good disruption that uh, begins to make our legislative bodies and law enforcement and regulatory bodies more tech savvy and part of the conversation from the get-go, not from a point of view of fear, intimidation, but to, to embrace technology. Technology is here to stay. Technology on the whole creates a lot more good than bad, but 
in every new chapter of technological advancements, we have just as many capable, smart people working on the bad side of it than the good. That's Avi Reichenthal from Exponential Works. Collaborative work by several security companies appears to have contained an Android distributed denial of service botnet. WireX was detected on August 17th, hitting hospitality, adult, and gambling sites, as well as some domain registrars. The botnet was disabled by Akamai, Cloudflare, Flashpoint, Google, Oracle, RiskIQ, and Team Kimri. So bravo to them all, but beware. The appearance of an Android DDoS botnet is a relatively novel phenomenon and bears watching going forward. Fishbait currently chumming the Internet attracts both the noble, that would be Hurricane Harvey relief scams, and the base, that would be bogus Game of Thrones unreleased episode come-ons. So unfortunately, you'll have to take care before you donate to hurricane relief efforts in Houston. By all means, give, but don't trust the begging emails. And Game of Thrones, well, if you're bent on streaming pirated video, you're on your own. And you've been warned. A BGP fumble, that's Border Gateway Protocol, briefly shut down Japan's internet last Friday. The outage lasted a couple of hours, but threw a scare into authorities as well as ordinary Janes and Joes. The register characterizes it as being caused by someone fat-thumbing a Border Gateway Protocol advertisement. And finally, to return for a moment to Scotland, you may have found some of the coverage of the NHS Lanarkshire ransomware confusing, as it reported global positioning system hacking. Some headlines even called out global positioning system outages. Be reassured, that seems to have been verbal confusion. The GPS that's known to have sustained disruption was general practice surgeries, not global positioning system. Americans in particular may have been puzzled by the acronym, unless, of course, they watched Doc Martin on BBC America, in which case it made perfect sense. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. 
This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Justin Harvey. He's the Global Incident Response Leader at Accenture. Uh, Justin, welcome back. You know, we talk a lot about threat intelligence, and today you wanted to take us through some, some things that teams can use when it comes to open source threat intelligence. Yes, the, the, the principle behind open source threat intelligence monitoring is to, is to harness the collective power of, of the internet, I guess, or the globe of all of these security researchers out there. There's a big parallel between the war or the battle that we are fighting on the cyber level and real world war or kinetic warfare. And with kinetic warfare, there's an intelligence component, people in the ground people in the air, analysts back in intelligence centers that are essentially synthesizing in real time all of the uh, the battlefield data. In the cyber arena, we still have to fight the same war. We, uh, just like with kinetic warfare, we have a battlefield, we have uh, real adversaries, and we have threat intelligence. The only difference is every company cannot afford or they're not able to have a threat intelligence component. So, one of the things that many organizations are doing, they are leveraging the collective power and knowledge of the open source. And the best way to pipeline and to analyze that information or collect that information is to utilize Twitter. Hmm. And the unique thing about Twitter is that all of the security researchers, all of the companies like Accenture, and even many organizations that have been hit by cyber attacks are sharing that data. And it's not just tactical threat intelligence. It's not just indicators that you need to know to grab, to put into your systems. It's also strategic threat intelligence. So it's the tactics, the techniques, the procedures that the adversaries are using. We're also using uh, open source intelligence monitoring to see um, emerging attacks. So as soon as we heard about WannaCry, as soon as we were hearing about Petya, not Petya, we were starting to see all of the reports coming in via Twitter. Now, clearly, you still need to have someone on your team. Typically, it's one or two people that are curating that information and seeing if it's relevant or actionable by your organization. But as with emerging cyber attacks around malware and destructive malware, ransomware, whatever, you can also get ahead of zero days. So even if a a zero day has been announced, there's still a period of time between when the zero day is announced and there's a vendor patch. And being able to know about that vulnerability or cyber attack much earlier in the process, so those, those precious hours and or days could really make the big difference between whether your environment is taken completely down or whether you're able to survive it. All right. Interesting information as always. Justin Harvey, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. 
And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.